Do you ever wonder what makes a person do the things that they do? What about a whole generation? I find it interesting that the sociologists and others in our culture tend to categorize people into a generation. Now, they say that I'm part of the boomer generation. So I just told you basically how old I am, but that's a long gap of years. So didn't exactly tell you how old I am. Many of you already know, but that's beside the point. You know, today we talk a lot about millennials and that's this 20 something age group, I believe. And some of us that are older can scratch our head and and shake our head and, and wonder why do they do what they do? And then there's also this even younger generation, this Generation Z, I think they call them. And really what it boils down to, even though we have different tendencies as people, depending on when we were born and what we went through when we were young, we all have a common thread that goes through us. And we have these common desires and needs and wants. And a friend of mine I sat down with and did an interview recently, and you're going to get to hear it in just a few minutes, but he talked about that we all seek for identity, purpose, and belonging. And I really agree with him. Hi, I'm Kenneth Camp, and this is His Hands, His Feet podcast. And the reason I do this podcast is to encourage, equip, even compel you to live a life with purpose and on mission. And I really am looking forward to you here in this interview with my friend Joe Elliott, who is the founder of his ministry, his nonprofit ministry, The Catalyst Collective. And he gets into not only this common thread that we all have, but specifically how he began this ministry and why he did. And it's really fascinating, but also you're going to get to hear about some really cool resources that no matter what you're doing, I think you can benefit from. So why don't you join me in this interview with Joe Elliott, founding and executive director of the Catalyst Collective. Well, I've invited a friend of mine, Joe Elliott, to come and do a podcast with me. I'm going to get into a little bit about what he does, or I'm going to let Joe do that. I met Joe, I'm thinking it was probably 2009 or something like that. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds sound about like, right, yeah. Yeah, I was on staff at a local church as a missions pastor, and we started crossing paths. Joe was on staff at another local church. I think you were the youth pastor was your yep, name yep Manual. youth youth college uh the associate pastor had just left and i was slipping into his responsibilities as well typical so, kind of do it all and one of those things the church that joe was on staff at is a leader here in the austin area of just prayer initiative mm-hmm. i remember one for sure our our paths began to cross with that as far as Churches coming together to cover this city in 24-7 prayer. Yeah. And, and I remember us interacting some there. And then our paths just seemed to keep... I mean, we run into <laughs> each other at some random places. Yeah, yeah, that's down. true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, not really knowing each other, but mm-hmm. we would see each other and it's like, hey, you're that guy. Yeah. So <laughs> right. that was always fun. And now we attend the same church. Yeah. and. And I, I promise you, I'm not stalking you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> feel that way sometimes. Not only we're at the same church, but now we're in the same community. Group. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. But uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving uh, getting to know you and your family better. It's a joy. Well, likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, as as you and I were talking earlier, you know, the main reason why I have this podcast is to uh, encourage people to. Find out if they don't know what their passion is and their purpose is in life mm-hmm. yeah. and to really get into that. And, and life is just so much more fulfilling when we live that way. Right. And as I'm getting to know you more, yeah, that, that's a message that you, you share quite a bit. 
I've learned to embrace that message. Have you? Wholeheartedly Good. through through yeah. years of, of pain and struggle and finding my own niche in life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before we get into what you do, mm-hmm. what would you like my listeners to know about you, who you are? You kind of touched on a little bit, but you, know, you can share about your family or a little bit of your history, whatever you want to share. Yeah. You know, I guess the, the, the thing about me is, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an X's and O's practical guy. I, you know, I grew up, I grew up Catholic and I went away from God altogether in college. Then I got married in a Baptist church and then I started serving in a non-denominational church that turned into a charismatic church that, you know, I've been all over the board and, and all through that process. You know, I've always scratched my head wondering why the church does the things they do. Why do they do it the way they do it? It just doesn't make practical sense. I I had a business degree in college. I got a job for Dell. So I have this I have this corporate world mentality with a, a heart that really wants to innovate and take the church to to greater depths when it comes to the impact that we could have around the world. And and so I I have this this mixture in me of really loving God but wanting to do things in an untraditional manner. Hmm. So and that seems to carry through with my 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 marriage, my kids, my whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I love to think out of the box and innovate. Yeah, I've noticed as I'm getting to know you better, and I kind of yeah. saw that from afar before, mm-hmm. but now that I'm getting to know you better, I see it even even more so. So you have three kids. Three kids. Yeah. I can't believe we got a 15 year old man. That's <laughs> I got 15, 12, and 10. So. It's uh, it's great. I'm right now. I'm blessed to ha- still have a strong relationship yeah. with each of them. Uh, my uh, my middle schooler actually is is at that point where she's getting boy attention, mm-hmm. so she's getting guys asking her out on dates, and I love the fact that she's still able to respond with, "I'm sorry, but my parents won't let me date till I'm out of high school." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm really loving that right now. So I don't know how you planted that in her, but that's good. <laughs> I, that might be for a different podcast. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I want to get into what you're doing now. And uh, the name of this uh, nonprofit ministry that you launched a few years ago is called, uh, is it called the Catalyst Collective now? Catalyst Collective. We, we, we're on paper as Catalyst Teen Center, but we, we evolved. Because when you think Teen Center, you're, you're already sure. pigeonhole us into we do certain things. Yeah. And we said, now oh, it's, that's part of what we do. So we changed it and kind of evolved it a few years back. All right. Well, let's start at the yeah. beginning. So you were, you know, like you said a while ago, you were on staff at this church. You were working with youth in college and, and uh, young career. Give us the start of how this uh, nonprofit began. Yeah. Actually, you probably were there because it was one of these pastor prayer gatherings, okay. you know, in January that we went out there. And this year, this was, uh, oh, this was 2011. And, uh, and I was out there. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to lead a bunch of youth and college pastors in a, in a kind of a private exercise where we all got together yeah. and I threw out the idea, okay, look, if none of us had an idea what youth ministry was, mm-hmm. right? There's no Doug Fields manual. There's nothing. All we knew was we were called to a region to reach young people. What do we do? There's no blueprint for this thing. Mm-hmm. So we spent time, we were, we were whiteboarding ideas and... And we took a step back from it, and we looked at it, and we were we were in awe. And then and then there was silence because we we all realized one thing that if we actually did what was on that board, 
yeah, we would reach more people, but we would all be fired <laughs> because that's not right. what we got hired to do in youth ministry. Yeah. And to me, that was a, it was a eye-opening exercise for me personally because all it did was affirm and align where my heart was, which is to be outside the walls of church. Mm-hmm. So it was in that summer that, uh, that I went back to my uh, senior pastor at the time, uh, you know, Trey Kent, and said, mm-hmm. listen... I got an idea for youth ministry. It's different, you know. It's 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 going to be weird, but I, I think we'll reach more people. And and I'm so blessed to be to have been under his leadership because he was so hands off, which is what I needed. Right. That he was like, yeah, man, just go for it. Yeah, it's good. And so we uh, we actually held a funeral service <laughs> for the youth group. We we did. We killed it. Yeah, funeral style. Mm-hmm. We had teens. <clears throat> come up and, and do like eulogies on what they'll miss about youth ministry. And, uh, and we, we brought in this new idea of, of Catalyst Teen Center. And mm-hmm. so um, that, was, that was kind of the initial starting point. And the idea of it was just simple. It was go find out why people aren't going to church. Mm-hmm. Understand what the need is with young people today and meet that need. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. It, it's 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 been crazy. It's it's uh it, the concept has evolved year after year ever since. Tell us what it looked like at the beginning. Well, the first thing we did was, and it was interesting because these were all mainly teen ideas, not ours. I, I pulled five high school interns together that summer and said, "Listen, you guys don't know much about youth ministry, but you know much about your friends and what it'll take to reach them." And mm-hmm. so they all got in a room, started brainstorming ideas, and we realized that. And this is true. This has been true for generations. Young people are, have three fundamental things, right? It's, it's identity, purpose, and belonging are the three key needs. And so when we drilled in on that, we, we said, well, well, let's, let, let's talk about those things because identity, purpose, and belonging sure sounds like what we're selling here in the church. But yet here in Austin, 90% of teens and young adults were no longer attending church. Hmm. So if that's still a key need... And the church is saying, here we are and we meet it. Why aren't people coming? Mm-hmm. And the answer was simple. Because the church led with a, let me feed you spiritually first and and answer all those questions. And every everybody else in that age bracket was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're doing. I get Christianity. Mm-hmm. But I'm not interested in that right now. I've seen it fall apart in so many different ways in my life. My parents are Christians or claim Mm -hmm. to be Christians. My friends claim to be Christians. I see what the latest pastor on TV did, you know, and the scandal he's involved in and so on and so forth. And it was like, yeah, we're not interested in that. What, What they were interested in is help me explore who I am. You know, set aside the, don't tell me who I am in Jesus or God. I want to explore what am I good at? Why do I matter to the world? Mm. So X's and O's, it was like, well, guitar lessons, martial arts. Let's let's give you an opportunity to explore gifts and passions, things mm. that you don't have an opportunity to do in school and something that you would you couldn't afford to pay for outside of school. Okay. Right? And that's what we did. So it was called the Academy of Awesome. <laughs> we opened up free classes to the community. And, and, and it was. It was all over the board. Japanese classes, because anime was huge, was mm-hmm. one, of, one of our biggest courses. Then we did, we did some improv stuff. We did Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. We had kids with bows and arrows 
because this is when the Hunger Games, you know, first came out, right. doing archery on the side of the church. You know, I mean, it was it was nuts. But we had engaged the community like we had never before done. Mm-hmm. And I, I should preface this by saying, and you know, being here in Austin, Northwest Fellowship doesn't have a lot of curb appeal. That's the church we were at, mm-hmm. right? It looks like an abandoned warehouse. It is. And so, <laughs> so the, you know, we didn't, I mean, my, my, my right. budget was literally $500 a month. That's yeah. what I was working with on the youth side. You know, we, we had less than 30 kids in our youth group. When we changed the d- dynamic of this, when we started to go out into the community to understand the needs and then, and then invite people in to meet those needs, Within 18 months' time, we had reached over a 1,000 teens and young adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, families were coming. Kids were getting were, were, were not only coming for the free classes, they were staying for a, more of a traditional youth service. And, mm-hmm. and then we saw baptisms and kids coming on mission trips. And it just it, it, it changed the whole dynamic in a very short period of time. What, do you th- what was the wall that you, th- you think that got broken down? I, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think that... I think the wall for most churches and youth ministries is that youth pastors report to a senior pastor. Senior pastor is, and this is going to sound really bad, but the thing that drives un- the undercurrent behind most churches is tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. It's 90% of your income. And that's where the model's broken, right? So mm-hmm. if that's your, if that's the deal, then you have to cater to the needs of your donors, Yep. And if your donors are saying, this is I want what I want from youth ministry, yeah, it's cute that you go, go out and reach people. Amen. We're all for that. Mm-hmm. But I'm outsourcing the education of my child to you spiritually. Right. So this is what I want you to take care of. But with, within Northwest Fellowship, with Trey as a leader in particular, he didn't have any of that. In fact, Trey was one of the few pastors that I even had ever met that never looked at who was tithing. He couldn't tell you who his biggest donors were. So when it came to that, he was immune to it. And Mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, go, go do your thing. And that was, that was the wall that didn't, that I was able to take advantage of because it didn't exist. You bet. You were in the right place for the right time. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if I've ever written or recorded this thought, but I agree with you. You know, I've had it in staff meetings. We're more interested as church staffs in the return on our investment Right, and that's what you're describing, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't like to hear that. And anybody that's listening to this, that's in that world, may push back on that. But I agree with you. It's yeah. it really drives how we do the things we do in, in a church context. Absolutely. So y'all were initially meeting on that campus, though that mm-hmm. church campus. We were, we were, and so that's why I think that's why that thought came to my mind is that. Before, you were on campus and only 30-some-odd kids were coming. Mm-hmm. But then you changed your focus. Yeah. A lot more were coming to the same place. Absolutely. And because mm-hmm. it wasn't a matter of... We didn't we didn't even have a youth room. Mm-hmm. There was no youth building. There was nothing. I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could give visuals here to show you how unappealing <laughs> Northwest Fellowship was inside <laughs> and out. It, I'll put it, I'll put some pictures on yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> thank, you, you thank you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, the heart it was a heart of gold when you walked in the door. We had nothing that to attract teens with, so we had to get creative, and um, and we did try to take a blank, ugly warehouse space and uh, and kill the lights and bring in faux walls with graffiti and mm. design on a dime kind of stuff right. to uh, to get them in there. But the thing that they were they were doing is they were coming 
because when an opportunity to explore something that they were interested in, mm-hmm. that was the key. And I think if we met in a mud dirt field somewhere, they probably still would have showed. As a missionary minded person, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm hearing you saying is that you left your context mm-hmm. and entered into their context. Yes. So it's evolved. So that was 2011, 12? 12, yeah. We, we, we piloted this experiment until mm-hmm. 2013 is when we had the aha moment. Okay, this is really working. Mm-hmm. What do we do here? You know, we, we were experimenting with the idea on the young adult side too. So we started doing live music um, shows, which mm-hmm. got a little crazy at times, but it, it was drawing people. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was awesome. You know, we, we were doing meeting on the college campuses. We, we were just getting out. We were figuring out what is going on out there and how can we engage with people where they are. So, so the more and more we did that, the more the kind of community and family grew. Mm-hmm. And what was important during those, those early years is when you started to really acquire this truly mixed audience of people who are Christians and non-Christians, you had to make everyone feel welcome, mm-hmm. right? And so it, it was, it, we became a community that was about, hey, it, you, you can come be a part of what we're doing regardless of where you stand spiritually, mm-hmm. right? We're all here to grow together, to learn how to develop personally, professionally, and spiritually. When we started using that language, that was the aha moment. That's what we realized our discipleship needed to change. Mm-hmm. You know, a disciple, a dis, someone who disciples is teacher or influencer, someone who's gaining a following. And one of the things that was repelling the younger generation is that the church led 90% of the time with the spiritual. Mm-hmm. When they led with something outreach oriented that was like personal or professional mm-hmm. that appealed to them, there'd be a quick hook afterwards for the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, young people aren't dumb. They, mm-hmm. they smell propaganda a mile away. And so when we, when we just started to go out there and say, hey, we, we care about your personal growth, your professional growth, what you do after school, what you're doing now in school. And we want to help you take the next step, period. Then we positioned ourselves to be able to disciple people personally and professionally mm-hmm. before we got to the spiritual part. And the spiritual always came. I would imagine, because I've experienced this, that people don't shy away from spiritual conversations. Yeah. It's kind of how it's packaged sometimes. Correct. Absolutely. So you're showing, and have been showing these, these young people that you care about who they are, what they're interested in. I know I'm repeating what you've been saying mm-hmm. and that you want to help them learn to do what they're interested in better. Yes. And then through that, you're you're developing a relationship. You're showing that you care about who they are. Yep. And then, like you said, the spiritual questions come. Absolutely. It's yeah. all part of that core process that we all faced as a, mm-hmm. as a young person. Who am I? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Those are the basic life questions. And if we can learn to answer those without leading so heavy handedly with Jesus at first, we actually build, you know, relationship with people. We build trust with people and trust can carry the weightier matters of Mm -hmm. spiritual talks. Take us through how you can kind of go on whatever tangent you want, but take us how things have evolved over the last four or five years and where you're at today. Yeah. So, you know, with the, with the idea of our, our mindset of what discipleship is, having those three dynamics, you know, mm-hmm. personal, professional, spiritual growth, we, we start to ask ourselves as an organization, like, what if, what if we could be the go-to source for all things 
growth oriented right that that if we could be that kind of center point in our community wow how what kind of powerful influence would we have over helping guide you know others mm-hmm. and we thought well that's ultimately what the church is so positioned to do but we don't do mm-hmm. right the church is in the ultimate position to be the go-to source of all things growth-oriented if we would just learn to focus, uh, you know, on the personal and professional sides without being so worried about numbers and hooking people and converting people and all that kind of stuff. You know, let's let's go out and just build relationships. So in a nutshell, our organization has tried to figure that out with millennials and Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we do that? So that's going to mean internships. And it's going to mean bringing on people that aren't aligned with your same thinking, you know, religiously. It's going to mean going out there to the college campuses and and connecting every week. It's going to mean putting out content and speaking their language, which is which was something that we had to do. You know, we were like, well, listen, a, a young person's attention is all on their mobile device. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not, you know, Facebook is great and all for donors, right. but we're not going to reach people unless we start, you know, getting into Instagram, Snapchat, uh, unless we can put together videos that aren't mm-hmm. ten minutes in length, but one minutes and one minute in length, and grab right. attention, and yeah. so, so forth and so on. It was our idea at this point is we know you know fast forward from 2011 to 2017, you know we we know today how to engage young people. Mm-hmm. That part has come easy and natural to us. What we're now trying to do is figure out how to make this mission sustainable, right? Without relying on 90% donations. So here mm-hmm. I come full circle, right? Yeah. So yep. whether you're a church and relying on ties or donations or you're a nonprofit relying on donations, diversification makes sense in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's unwise to to be trapped by one income stream, yep. right? And, and, and if you're a church and you got a building that goes mm-hmm. vacant six out of seven days a week, you're not being innovative enough mm-hmm. on how you use that bit building to not just bring in income but serve the community. Mm-hmm. We are thinking the same way as a nonprofit. What are the skills that we have and, and how can we go out there and drive revenue that will fuel the mission? So, you know, that's where we get into joeelliotlive.com and, and mm-hmm. presenting myself as a speaker because right. if I can speak to a chamber of commerce and equip business owners on right. how to reach the next generation and how to engage and empower them, then I'm, I'm helping the community. Mm-hmm. I'm driving revenue, which is getting poured back into the mission to reach more young people. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at as an organization is how do we take this to the next level? We've had organizations contact us from from different parts of the state, um, different parts around the U.S. saying, how do we how do we take your model and do it here? Right. So we're in the process of putting together a package on here's how you start from scratch on something mm-hmm. like this. Our one of the key aha moments in the journey here was probably 2015 when one of the local high schools came to us and said, hey, listen, we've, we've got an issue and we, we heard you guys might be able to help. Hmm. That for us was breakthrough. Absolutely. Because, it, because at that point we were still work, we were still in the church. We were mm-hmm. still, we hadn't separated from the church. We, you know, we were there in the church, but we had so- step, uh, set up our own nonprofit organization. Right. So that allowed the public school system to come to us as a nonprofit rather than a church and ask for help. Exactly. And that was key. And and so so when we did that, when we got into the school, Mm -hmm. um, who was having the problems with 
basically loitering. Kids were out. Uh, it was a latchkey kind of society. You know, nowhere to go after school. Drugs, fights breaking out every day. Ironically, there was a church and a YMCA right across the street from this particular high school, yep. and neither one of them <laughs> could could really help solve this issue. So we came and, and created a mobile version of what we do mm-hmm. in the cafeteria after school, and, and you know we had. 20 kids the first week, then it grew to 40, then it grew to 50, then it grew to 75, 100. We just launched and we're in year two of this experiment. We we have uh, 20% of the entire school hmm. comes through our program. You know, there's hundreds of students packed in this program um, and it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But but it's that, it's that kind of thinking that says, you know, we need to be on the ground, meeting real needs and creating right. bridges to help develop this yeah. next generation. So it's the same thought process. That you had a few years ago, yeah, and now you, like you said, you it's portable and it's absolutely at that school. And, and you're at a second high school this year too, right? I'm at a second high school uh, here. Mm-hmm. We're we're in talks with a third. Okay, uh, I have a waiting list of more schools, and the problem is more funding than it is on our side. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then we have uh, we're opening up a location in Dallas, a Fort Worth area. There's a there's a school up there that wants this model as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we partnered with the Effie Center up in, in Fort Worth, which mm-hmm. is a, another faith based nonprofit, and, and we're helping them take this model up there too. So it's 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 been good on the on the teen side of things. So Joe, as I'm listening to you, you know, several years ago when you had you were meeting with all those youth pastors and y'all were brainstorming, mm-hmm. are you having very many who are still youth pastors, or are you having very many churches really join what you're doing here in the city? Yeah, you know, and, and so the answer is yes, we're having uh, more churches partner with us and join us, but it's a bandwidth issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if a youth pastor uh, has the luxury to have spare time to do any sort of outreach beyond the walls of church, then our program is a great fit because, you know, in our area, especially here in Austin, you know, youth pastors can't even have lunches. They can't even go walk on a school campus and have lunches with, right. in, in most campuses. So yeah. to be able to be in our program and have access to hundreds of, of uh, students is great. So it's, it's typically your, your church plants and, you know, people okay. that, that are trying to grow their youth right. ministry. They probably have 10 students or less in their entire mm-hmm. youth ministry. So they got time. Yeah. Um, some of the, some of the larger churches are also looking to partner too, but again, it's under the context of they might be church planning, mm-hmm. you know, from their main satellite campus, mm-hmm. and and so to partner with us is an investment in growing a new church. But it's hard to get traction from well-established churches. That makes sense. So where do you see this going? Do you have a feel for it? I I, I do. I think um, I think as the as the landscape of church shifts in our culture, mm-hmm. um, I, I think we're going to see more bivocational ministers, mm-hmm. pastors. I think the the church size is is going to shrink. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think larger churches will you know that that kind of growth and boom will begin to begin to shrink and what you'll see is is local context you know the the thing about millennials is that they don't they don't like the idea of committing to one church mm-hmm. that's not the way they view church they view church in the context of us as a global body or a nationwide body they they don't the, you know the idea of of tithing 10% of their income to one institution is not there it's not that they're not generous mm-hmm. or willing to give sacrificially but the whole mindset of, hey, 
We want you here as a member. We want you to live here, give here, serve here, eat here, you know, all that kind of stuff. That does not, that's dying. And so I think and as that dies, it positions a ministry like ours mm-hmm. to be able to bridge the gap with, with all kinds of different um, styles of ministries and say, hey, let's come together for good to reach and solve this problem in our community. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, we're going to build relationships and, right. and be on mission with one another. So I, I see I see Catalyst becoming that bridge, I mm-hmm. think, as, as churches do. As attendance does continue to shrink here in America mm-hmm. and, and churches go back to the basics of, oh my gosh, we actually have to go out and reach people, mm-hmm. then then partnering with ministries like ours will be more and more vital. It won't be a, a you know, a nice thing to add on if we can afford to. It'll be right. core, we gotta do this or die. And and, and as such we're we're trying to figure out how we can help churches mm-hmm. do what we're doing. That's that's a big part of it. So to kind of wrap it up a little bit, how, how can people partner with what are your touch points? Well, I would say this. I really touched on this part of it, but the core that drives all of what we do is something we call the Purpose Project. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a book we've written. It's a course we did, and it's designed to help people discover how they're uniquely wired and what to do about that. And, and so even our volunteer application, when someone comes to us and says, I want to get involved in some level, they're actually taking a part of our purpose project without realizing it. They're doing a Myers-Briggs test. They're telling us about their gifts and passions and all kinds of life experiences because we we want to look at people like the unique person mm-hmm. they are and put them in a position to explore those mm-hmm. gifts and passions, even if they're working with us. So I, I think for, for folks that want to get engaged with us, it's we opened up a large part of our purpose project and open sourced it. I'll give it out to as many people that right. want to go through it and take it because self-awareness is key. You know, there, there may be others that are saying, well, I have a particular heart for not necessarily teens or young adults, but I have, I have something, I, I want to do something with this bug or this passion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we focus so much on, on growth and discipling people personally and professionally mm-hmm. because we can help you take the next steps. And so I think the best way is for people to just reach out and email us. We have a really fast response time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to just dialogue with folks, get to understand what's what's in them and how to bring that to life mm-hmm. in, in some way. Uh, and you can also, if you're local to Austin, there's also the practical of sure. come visit our programs, right. or, you know, yeah. check our events calendar and, and, and things of that sort. So, And you are a 501c3. We are. And so if people want to help financially, they can do that as well. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can sponsor a student for an entire semester mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, as little as, you know, $5 a, a month. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's part of our innovation is mm-hmm. how do we reach the ro- most amount of bodies right for the littlest amount of money well, i'll have on my website and I'll, I'll touch on this as i close out in a minute but uh ways that people can reach you your email yeah. your website the website has a lot of information youtube videos and you know there's also the purpose projects on there so yeah. i'll point people to those things and they can reach out to you Joe, I know people can hear your passion, and so I don't, I don't even need to ask what your passion is. I think they've heard it all the way through this, so I appreciate you yeah. sharing more about yeah. what you're doing and what's happening here in this city. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kenny. I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah. 
I really do appreciate Joe's passion for what he's doing. And not only has he found and landed on what his purpose is, and he walks in that and he lives it out, he is helping others to find it as well. And I hope you caught that he said that it's not just the younger generations that he is helping do that. The resources that they have put together and have made available on their website will help anyone find out what their purpose is. And so I am going to be directing you to his website and contact information. And all you need to do is go to kennethacamp.com slash episode 33. And again, that's kennethacamp.com slash episode 33. And that'll take you to the show notes and also the player for this podcast is there as well. And when you're there, can you do me a favor? This would be a big, big favor for me and show some love my direction. That is uh, right under the podcast player in the show notes on the page that I just sent you to. Click on Apple Podcasts. That'll take you to iTunes directly to where you can find this podcast on iTunes. And then click on the rate and review. I think, first of all, you might need to subscribe to it and then click on rate and review and leave a a rating and review of this podcast. Not just this one, but hopefully if if you've listened to some others, you've got a feel for what His Hands, His Feet podcast is all about. And would love for you to leave an honest review there. That will help drive traffic to the podcast itself and get the word out about the things that I'm sharing here. I hope you would do that, and I definitely appreciate it. As always, thank you for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet. Until next time.